Well, over the break, you'll be happy to know I continue to try to get those cars back on those rails. I don't know how well, successful I've been, yeah, but it sure is delightful to see you, Bill English, in studio it's, it's again. good to see you again. Boy, I miss you. Yeah, it's really fun. It just, you know, you just always bring such important conversations and, and perspective into this intersection of our business and vocational life with the life of the kingdom. And I, I typically leave our conversations just with quite a bit to think about related to my own life as a business person, too. So I appreciate how much you invest in this. And you, you're writing Thanks. a book, from what I understand, and I've I seen am. some of the draft copy of it so tell us about it again yeah you know it's uh it's really my life work it's uh it's a culmination of over 10 years of thinking about things reading and trying to live it out in the in the business world both as a business owner and now as a uh, a very minority owner in a in a business and um and yet having stewardship responsibilities back to investors and other owners and it should be about 20 chapters. Uh, I'm counting on it being give or take 350, 400 pages. Okay. And it will cover uh, parts of the Christian business reference architecture, which is how I think about how Christian business owners ought to think about business. Hmm. And uh, it's a reference architecture that, that uh, God helped me develop over uh, a 10-year period. And it really helps you consider everything that uh, a Christian business owner should consider when it comes to running their business and stewarding their business the way God intends. These are all the things you need to think about. It doesn't tell you what to do. It's not a strategy. Uh, it's not a, a process. It's not a procedure. It's a reference architecture. And so my my book starts with that, and then we walk through parts of the reference architecture. Uh, the first part of which is who you are as a business owner directly impacts uh, your ability to steward uh, the uh, the business that God has given to you. So the first chapter is on. I'm not going to go through all 20 sure, chapters. Right. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're looking at me like <laughs> yeah, Bill. Yeah, I'm starting to zone out. This Bill. is really going way too long here, Bill. Uh, no, first chapter is about the reference architecture. Second chapter is about becoming free from the bondage of sin. Yeah. Because as a, as a business owner, if you're in bondage to sin, the rest of this isn't going to matter. You're not going to be able to uh, steward your business the way God intends. I got that chapter done. That's out to the reviewers. Now I'm working on finishing up your role as a steward. What does it mean to be a steward? And I'm about 70, 80% done writing that chapter. And then we'll move on to hearing the voice of God and decision-making. We'll move on to um, uh, making sure that you're being mentored and you're mm. mentoring uh, passing it on, and uh, and then we're going to get into the purposes that God has for business. Why did God create business? If you ask that question, why did God create business? I think the vast majority of Christians would go, I don't know. Yeah. Other than you know, it's something to do during the day and it creates wealth and that kind of thing. I think there's four purposes. We'll go over those purposes in my book and do some other things. Yeah. It's a, and Bill, I would imagine the process of writing a book and you talk about it, it's your life's work. And then I think about as we walk out this journey of life and have a lot more maybe sod under our feet than what we have left in front of us. Uh, yeah. There's, I think, a bit of a cathartic process that happens. I mean, it's, this book has to be a bit of a memoir of sorts for you, I think, about all of what you've learned in business. And I think about when Jesus says these beautiful words, do this in remembrance of me. It's not just uh, to remember the past and reflect on it. It's to once again bring those realities of the past into the present. And in the case of communion, it is to bring the power of freedom from sin into our present reality again. So when we celebrate that table, there's an active power. But there's something about the rhythm of remembering and reflecting for all 
all of us, business, life, whatever it is, that helps us stay anchored, I think. And so not just writing books, but for people listening to journal, to keep a diary of sorts, memoirs, it's really an important thing. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that maybe you'd forgotten that is reemerging in your life from doing this process. <laughs> you know, this is my 15th or 16th book that I've written. Most of those books, almost every other book I wrote was, most of them for, were for Microsoft Press. Right. And they were either on SharePoint or Exchange. And I remember picking up a, a SharePoint book that I had just published a few months earlier, and I had all co-authors write several of the chapters. And uh, I read part of it, and I go, wow, that's good stuff. I, 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 did, I didn't even <laughs> remember that it was in the book. So that does happen. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's um, this is a really, it's going to become a theology of business ownership is yeah. really what I'm writing. And uh, I'm probably the least qualified to write a theology of anything. Maybe ditch digging. I could do a theology right. of ditch digging. But um, I'm just not the right person to write it. But God's called me. I'm doing it. And uh, I think I'm writing for future generations. Well, I think there is something about leaving something behind like that, and especially I appreciate just the idea of a theology of business, because those two words don't usually exist in the same sentence. And yet, I know there's probably a lot of people listening that are in their vocation or in their business specifically, and sometimes feel like they have to check their faith at the door, or maybe even better said, they don't know how to integrate their faith within the realities of their business. And this is part of what you're leaving behind. It is. There's, I, I estimate there's 2 million uh, Christian business owners in the United States, roughly, give or take 650 per county in the United States. And uh, I think if you were to go up to and ask the average Christian business owner, uh, would you like to steward your business for Jesus Christ? I think 95% of them would say, yeah, I'd like to do that. And then they'd say, well, how do you do that? And that's what my book is. That's the question my book is answering. Um, I think the audience for this is very niche and very narrow, but very, very important. Because when you look at... When you look at ministries uh, around the world, they are all funded by profitable business. Right. And they're only funded by profitable businesses run by Christians. So, you know, I'm really talking to the Christian business owner who's, who God is going to enable to create wealth that's going to be funneled into ministries so that the so that the uh, gospel can move forward. Well, it's certainly one of the most popular degree tracks that I still see in university settings is the business track. So I think uh, you talk about this being a niche audience, but I think it can be for parents and grandparents as well who might have children and grandchildren going into business to help them really anchor themselves that there's more to it than trying to create economic opportunity for yourself. But so many of these Christian college. I'm sorry, I know I'm at a Christian college. This is Northwestern Radio. I get it. Right. But so many Christian colleges are just me too business programs and I don't know how much integration they actually have at the Christian college or the Christian MBA level. I just don't know that it's there. Yeah, I know. I t- not in this university, but I've taught in universities where mostly the integration was a prayer before and after yeah, the start yeah, of class, exactly. but otherwise it was normal exactly. economic principles. Well, yeah. it's the voice of Bill English talking about stewardship and a theology of business. We'll take a short break, and we will get into the specifics of what Bill means by stewarding God's kingdom next on Mornings with Carmen. Nineteen minutes after the top of the hour here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Dr. Peter Kapsner, substituting this week for Carmen LeBurge, who's enjoying vacation and in studio with good friend Bill English. And, Bill, we talked before the break about your book quite a bit and about the idea of stewarding God's kingdom within a theology of business. What, say, say more about that. What do you mean by stewarding God's kingdom in this context? Well, stewardship really has two parts to it, right? So just... Uh, uh, Conceptually, there's ownership and there's entrustments. So the Bible is very clear in Psalm 50, Psalm 24, and in other places that God owns 
everything, right? Right. The shirt I'm wearing, the shirt you're wearing, um, <clears throat> Paul's glasses, our houses, our businesses, um, our churches, God owns everything. If he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, that's a euphemism for everything. So God gets to give to people talents, resources, those kinds of things, and he gives those to us to create wealth, Yeah. right, and to further his kingdom. Now, is creating wealth furthering his kingdom? It can be. It can also not be, right? It depends on how we uh, how we view the wealth and use it. The thing that I found in it was, was interesting, because uh, I was writing this section on ownership and entrustments, in, in, in this chapter, and it, 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 the Holy Spirit just kind of said, just remember that there's actually stewardship within the Trinity. And I went, really? And he took me to um, uh, Matthew twenty eight eighteen. Mm-hmm. All authority in heaven, this is Christ speaking, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go, right? Well, the, the passage rightly interpreted is all about discipleship and missional and let's go out and, and disciple and spread the gospel. I get that. A minor point in that chapter is that Christ received his authority from God, and now he is saying, because I have this authority, you go. The stewardship of God owning the authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, has now been entrusted to Christ, mm. Okay. There's stewardship there. Christ is now stewarding the the uh, the authority that God has given him. Then you fast forward uh, to John 16. I don't know if it's fast forward chronologically, but it is. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it is in 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 the New Testament, and in in his final discourse as he's walking from the upper room down to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's saying this to his disciples. And he says, uh, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, listen to this. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father's minds. We know that from Matthew 28. Christ reiterates it here. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what uh, he will make known to you. So now we have the whole the role of the Holy Spirit. He is taking from Christ and he is communicating to us. So from God comes authority and message mm-hmm. to Christ. From Christ, the message delivery is through the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit just speaks on his own. He doesn't speak. He only speaks what he hears. Right. So when the Spirit speaks to you, right, or to me or to Paul, that of uh, the authority behind that is coming from Jesus Christ and entrustment Christ is taking the message, entrusting it to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is stewarding that message by delivering it to us. Well, and it's a fascinating paradigm that you're presenting here, Bill. And I was listening to a little bit of news reporting on the way into studio this morning, and there was this contrast between socialism and capitalism that was being bantered back and forth between some of the talking heads on on the show. And one of the things that said is that capitalism really creates wealth and people are entitled to realize their wealth and to enjoy the fruits of their wealth if they work really hard for it. And and so there's sort of this embedded philosophy sometimes within capitalism that if I work hard enough, I'm entitled to own and enjoy the fruits of my labor. But what you're talking about is that in all things we are steward. We're stewards. We may work exceptionally hard, but that doesn't give us the right of ownership. We are still stewards within God's kingdom. How you view <clears throat> the wealth that you create with your business uh, directly impacts how you view authority in life. Okay, so if I am a steward of that which God has given to me, then I know authority is with Jesus Christ. 
right? But if I take the American legal view of authority, then this is my money. It's my business. I can do with it what I want, and no one can really stop me. And that is a that is a huge dichotomy between a Christian business owner and an American business owner. And one of my purposes in life is to call Christian business owners who think like Americans yeah. to start thinking biblically about stewardship and ownership. And by the way, in Ecclesiastes 5, it says that sometimes God does enable us to enjoy our wealth, right? You know, when God gives wealth to somebody and enables him to enjoy it, right? But that enjoyment comes from God, and uh, it comes after we realize that all that we have, all that we create, all the money that we have, all the prestige, everything is owned by God. Even when we're creating it, it's still owned by God. In in, in Luke, or no, uh, Matthew 25, it, and I'm, I'm probably going long here, but in Matthew 25, you'll remember when when the servants got the talents and they, you know, they got five, two, and one talents, they never considered those talents theirs. They said, here's your first five back to the master. Oh, and by the way, here's the, here's the other talents I made for you. Well, and I think, again, and you referenced the point of celebration, that I think it would be maybe a misunderstanding of stewardship to assume that stewardship means that we are always giving everything away on behalf of other people. Stewardship really is the idea that I'm going to be consistently listening to the voice of the Spirit, as you referenced, to know what to do with this money. And sometimes we are invited to just celebrate, kill the fatted calf, as it were, is one of the invitations in the biblical text. But the point of stewardship is that this life is not our own, this money is not our own, it's been purchased with a price. And so we're constantly listening to the still small, uh, small voice of God about what to do on behalf of the future. Exactly. And so my role in the kingdom is to uh, steward a business, to represent Christ in the workplace, to create wealth, those kinds of things. But none of it belongs to me. And I think if if we can see stewardship and entrustments and ownership within the Trinity, that forms a theological foundation for us really driving home this notion that Christian business owners are inherently distinctly different than all the other business owners, in part because of how we view authority and how we view ownership in our businesses. It's so important. We have just about a minute left here, Bill. I would uh, suggest I know somebody uh, close to me who's owned a business for a very long time, and it was uh, some of those moments of real difficult times in the business that really formed an invitation to try to let go of the very tight grip I think many Christian business owners have. And that really is the first step in the pathway to stewardship, is it not to just open up those hands and say, hey, even if this fails, I will still follow. I will still follow you, and um, the high-control type A personalities that are usually entrepreneurs, those are the personalities that need to hear this message and really need to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Well, it's great to see you again. I look forward to hey, continuing. It sounds like you have about 18 chapters left as all, so not, uh, <laughs> not much work ahead of you on this book. No, no, film. not a lot. <laughs> well, wonderful. We'll uh, continue to follow that journey. Thanks for giving us a bit of a theology of business that hopefully we can leave behind for the you future. Bet. Take a short break for some Breakpoint and bottom of the hour news, and in the last half of this hour, we'll be joined by John Wood and Rob Robertson of the Better Angels, and we'll talk about what it means to de- depolarize our lives so we can help in the process of political depolarization in our country.